correct myself. Well, good morning, everyone. Why don't we just uh, give a hand to the kids and all the leaders this morning? That was awesome. All right. Wow, I enjoyed that. And uh, where's Donna? Thank you, Donna, for leading us with the program this morning. I know it was her her passion for this uh, play, this production this morning. So thank you and bless you for volunteering to do that. So and all the leaders and children, thank you for your contributions. It was awesome. So they can say, they say you can learn a lot from children, and we did this morning, didn't we? Through different things like dramas and plays. But, you know, there's an honest spirit about children, and when you listen to them, there's just something about them you learn from them. So I've uh, got some letters here from children written to their pastor. And I have no idea where this came from, but I found them. It goes like this. Dear Pastor, please say in your sermon, Peter Peterson has been a good boy all week. I am Peter Peterson, sincerely. Pete, age nine. Are there any devils on earth? I think there may be one in my class. Carla, age 10. I know God loves everyone, but he never met my sisters. Yours sincerely, Arnold, age 8. I'm sorry I can't leave any more money in the offering plate, but my father did not give me a raise in my allowance. Could you have a sermon about a raise in my allowance? Love, Patty, age 10. I think a lot more people would come to church if you moved it to Disneyland. Lorene, age nine. I liked your sermon today on Sunday, especially when it was finished. Ralph, age 11. Thanks, Ralph, for that. Keep a note of that. Well, this has nothing to do with really what I want to say this morning, except for one thing. That our story this morning is about a very young person. Maybe a child, but at least a very young person. And of course, her name is Mary. The Gospel of Luke calls her a virgin who was legally pledged to be married to Joseph. And in that day, she might have been between the ages of 12 to 14 years old. So yeah, she was a young teenage girl, as we would say today. But there are a few things that mark this beautiful story. First of all, significance and insignificance. The story begins with an outstanding significance because the angel Gabriel, who had just visited Zacharias, Zachariah, excuse me, this is Luke chapter 1, a few months before, has now come to Nazareth to visit this young teenage girl. The visit by any angel, of course, is incredibly significant, of course, but he carries a message from the very throne of God. And so we need to really lean in and pay attention because God is speaking. But the story is full of irony because the person and the place visited by this angel was of little significance. The angel Gabriel came to the town of Nazareth. And Nazareth is the town for peasants. It has no significance really whatsoever. So in the Gospel of John, Nathaniel, of course, one of the disciples, piped up famously saying, What good can come out of Nazareth? And what about the person the angel came to see? 
a teenage girl named Mary. Mary had no significance up until then. She has no social status. You know, apparently, London Wax Museum used to have a new version of their nativity scene. Instead of Mary and Joseph, by the baby stands David Beckham. Everyone knows David Beckham, right? He's an English soccer superstar back in the day. And beside him stood his wife, former Spice Girl. A very odd nativity scene. When the bystander asked why they made this new display, they replied, well, I think it's appropriate. I mean, after all, David Beckham and his wife are the most famous couple in our day, and Mary and Joseph were the most famous in their day. Well, this person really has no idea what he's talking about. Mary has absolutely no status. Peasants and women in particular were the most undervalued at the bottom of the social ladder kind of people in the first century. Yet the angel of the Lord came to the home of this young, insignificant girl in Nazareth. But the angel's visit is made significant because the story is set in direct contrast to the angel's visit to Zechariah. Zechariah and on the other hand, had some social significance. He was a priest. The Lord came to visit Zechariah in a very significant place, in a temple, the holy temple of God in Jerusalem. And the Jews believed that the temple was the home of God. It was expected that the priest would intercede for his people and hear from the Lord in the temple in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was kind of like New York City. Everything happened there. All the cool things and people lived in New York, but in Jerusalem, inside the temple, Zechariah's encounter with the angel ended in embarrassment. He failed to believe in the promise of God, and he was left deaf and dumb for nine months. What about Mary's encounter with the angel? Mary's encounter with Gabriel was similar, but it was radically different. The same angel came with a similar promise, that a son would be born to them. But instead of an elderly priest, the recipient was now a young peasant girl. Instead of a man, it was now a woman. This speaks of the worth of women in the eyes of God in contrast to how society viewed women and children. Instead of Jerusalem, it was Nazareth. Instead of a holy temple, it was a humble home. God is turning everything on its head. The glory of God was thought to be in the temple, the holy of holies. Yet here we have a story of God revealing himself, not in the temple, but in the home of this young, ordinary girl. The ground is beginning to shift. The grace of God has been revealed to this young peasant girl. And the readers of the story, as we should read it, should say, wow, how can this be? This is amazing. This is startling. As we compare these two encounters, we see two different responses. Mary was prepared, but Zechariah was unprepared. The angel came to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. 
The Lord is with you. Now Mary, it says, was very troubled by this greeting and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She was troubled as any person would be if encountered by an angel, but it says she tried to discern the message. She wondered what it meant. She was listening with her heart and sought the voice of God. Zechariah, on the other hand, was troubled, but it also says fear fell upon him, and he was in fact paralyzed by his fear. No statement of being favored, no indication of really listening and wondering. He was completely caught off guard, so he was unprepared. This is not what you expect from the priest, but yet here is this uneducated, poor Peasant girl who was prepared for the promise of God. What was the result? Zechariah was struck dumb and deaf, but Mary found favor with God. So in reality, Mary found unexpected favor with God. But we don't know anything about Mary's family. Her lineage is really nothing to write home about. Luke takes the time to tell us that her future husband is a descendant of King David. After her marriage to Joseph, his connection to David will soon become significant. But for now, she's just a young, unknown, insignificant girl. Then suddenly one day, the angel of the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants. His kingdom will never end. Nothing, it would seem, has prepared Mary for this divine encounter. This young girl will have a son. He is going to be the son of God who will reign over his everlasting kingdom. But Mary has found unexpected favor from God. You know, I don't know about you, but I have to wrestle with those words. Favor with God. What does it mean to have favor with God? Sometimes even though we wholly believe in God's grace for us, we still try to get God to like us more by what we do. We might think, perhaps God will find me more favorable if I faithfully read my Bible every day, or if I never miss church, or maybe if I volunteered in children's church. I mean, these are all good things, right? Of course, but the point is, there is nothing we can do in our own ability to get God to favor you more. Mary has not earned the favor of God. She is as surprised as anyone. In fact, she's shocked. God has shown favor to her in the sense of demonstrating his grace to a young girl who has no claim on worthy status, but graciously raised her up from her lowly position to have a role in the coming of God in human form. I'm not sure about you, but... If you were God, and you were making plans to come to earth, what kind of travel arrangements would you make? 
I mean, would you go to a place like Nazareth and put your trust and the salvation of mankind into the hands of a 14-year-old peasant girl with little life experience? Would that be your plan? I think I would check my references a little more than God did. You know, I got a Christmas letter a few years ago from my aunt. And it was a review of her, of her year. And she was telling us about her holiday in the Dominican Republic. And they booked themselves into a four-star hotel. But as she says, it was more, more like a no-star hotel. The air conditioning actually did not work. The room was super noisy. She couldn't sleep. They couldn't sleep. And in all, she says, it turned out to be one horrible vacation in the Dominican Republic. And she says that she ends her letter, that's the last time we're going to do that. But her story kind of struck me funny when I read it at the time. Because when God made his travel arrangements, he chose not to enter a four or five star hotel. He chose not to be born with the rich and the famous. No, he chose rather to begin his journey in a humble home without air conditioning. All the hotels, so-called, were closed or not even open. He chose to begin his life on earth, supernaturally conceived in the womb of this humble, young, insignificant girl. So this is a wonderful story of God's grace, that he would allow Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to be conceived in an imperfect, insignificant girl in Nazareth. So Mary was not blessed by God because of anything she did so much. It was because she was specifically chosen by God to be the person who God loves and glory would be most deeply felt. Within the womb of this humble young girl, God is letting us know that he has come to make it possible for all people to be in intimate relationship with God. God came in human form without sin and demonstrated his incredible grace by allowing himself to be born in the body of someone whom society would never choose to welcome the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Almighty Lord Himself. But He did. Now, this story not only tells us about God's favor and His incredible grace, it also shows us that through the life of Mary, the proper response of faith. After all, and this is very important, the grace of God can only become real in you. If you respond in faith, God gives us grace, but we must receive it and believe it and then live it. So after hearing this incredible promise to Mary, we hear her response and she asks the question, how will it be? Absolutely legitimate question, right? How will it be? And Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, she was not married yet. She knows she's had no sexual relationships with anyone. Then Gabriel promised Zechariah, the son of his own age, he asked for a sign. How will I know? But Mary asked for an explanation. How will this be? 
She expressed no doubt. She just wanted to know how, especially when she was a virgin. So the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Then after hearing about the supernatural work of God, how did Mary respond? She said this, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I mean, to me, that's incredible. Young girl has the maturity to respond in faith like that. Whatever you say, Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant. Be to me as you have said. And so we ought to learn from the example of this teenage girl. Yes, a teenage girl who is a model for the proper response of faith, the faith of a child. And Mary was prepared and listened to the voice of God. Mary was humble and said, I am the Lord's servant. You know, Christmas is a strange season in a lot of ways. Because it seems that everything we do in terms of running around like chickens with our head cut off is so contrary to what the season is about. It's actually about being open before God, just like Mary was. It's sitting at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him. It's actually slowing down. So my question for you is, will you take the time to worship Jesus? He is our Savior. And because of Mary's humility and openness before God, Mary experienced the greatest blessing of all, and that was the very presence of Jesus Christ himself in her life. Because of Mary's humility and openness, she experienced the gift of God in Jesus Christ. So in the end, we must realize these stories that we tell, I talked about Joseph last week and, of course, Mary this week, it really isn't about them, is it? It's about Jesus. It's about the story of grace, the story of God's grace through Jesus Christ for us. Mary, in her faith, simply points us to Jesus. That's probably what she would say to you. It's about Jesus. And so Mary leaves us actually a song of worship, and this is verse 46 to 49 of chapter 1. I'll read it to you. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his his name. Isn't that wonderful? Just, Just a beautiful prayer from this young girl. She gets it. She knows it. She's living it. So again, I ask the question, will you worship Jesus this Christmas? Will you worship him? Will you decide to worship and follow Jesus for the remainder of your life? Let's pray.
Lord, in this uh, busy season of the year, it is easy to be distracted by all the cultural things of Christmas. And they're wonderful, bright, we love gifts, we love our family. But in the end, may we understand two things. Your incredible grace coming to the earth, becoming like us, to give us life through Jesus Christ. And then secondly, Lord, help us to be like a Mary and a Joseph and an Anna who in faith worshipped you, trusted you to the very end. And so help us, Lord, to be worshipers of who you are because of your grace, because of your love, because of the life that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.